Welcome to the Wonderful Leaders Podcast, a place for Christian entrepreneurs and leaders to be encouraged and inspired to grow in your personal and organizational leadership. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wonderful Leaders Podcast with your host, Dan Mordab, and a very special guest this afternoon. This afternoon in the UK, this morning in the US. I'm speaking with Kathleen Kalusi, and Kathleen was a former fashion designer as well as college professor who taught art and fashion design for 35 years in the USA. During her tenure, she facilitated international student tours following the global apparel production process. In her role as an educator and intercessor, she has prayer walked almost 150 nations. Isn't that incredible? For the last 25 years, Kathleen continues working as an engaging conference speaker on topics ranging from, and we'll hear some of this today, the correlation between art, faith and fashion, right through to prayer insights for leaders in the marketplace. They sound like great topics. Kathleen's also launching a new book in the fall or autumn, depends which side of the pond you are. And I'm not going to say the title or let Kathleen say it because it's a very, very uh, attention grabbing and interesting title. I love it. So welcome, Kathleen. Great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for, I don't know how you found me, but you reached out and I knew it was a God thing. So thank you. Uh, We're excited to have you as well. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what your leadership life looks like. Um, well, um, it really has just continued to morph over the years. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have, when they identify themselves, they might've used the phrase, I've reinvented myself over the years. Um, I think in my case, what I've seen is God has taken all the things that I'm personally passionate about and he's morphed them into a, a resource for provision myself in terms of um, a career, in terms of just getting my heart right for the things that are important to him. I think that's that's really critical. And you mentioned about my my prayer walking. Uh, My background uh, was I had my own label, all started from scratch. I had no one. I was what they call in the U.S. cold calls. Uh, But I was able to sell to some very high-end places and was rocking and rolling with that when I had a dramatic encounter with the Proverbs 31 woman. Wow. Yeah. And so one of the things with my leadership style that I've discovered is she, at least for women, is the role model that they need to have because she has it all. she's and when you look at her her leadership style I don't want to be any different when I looked at Jesus's leadership style it had similar phraseology like the Proverbs 31 woman getting up at night and really determining what is it that my day is about today Jesus refined it by saying I only do what I see the father doing And you sit down and go, why do we complicate it? What's dad doing today? That's what we're doing. Wow. And that's the leadership style. It is someone that has integrated their livelihood and their families, if that's part of their life, 
got the alignment priority straight of how they operate and interconnect and is driven by intimacy and intercession. That's, that's it in a nutshell. And my assessment, especially as a college professor, because God then took me out of the uh, industry. I was literally in my grocery store line when he abruptly called me into education. Last thing I wanted. In fact, I'm standing in my grocery line as a, in my 20s. In your 20s, you really think you're hot stuff. And mm-hmm. I had about five magazines that had my work in it. So I was like, oh, oh there I am. Wow. Even though I knew God, I was like, yeah. And I heard him stop me abruptly. And he said, Kathleen, what do you want? Something that's on a newsstand for a month. Or do you want to touch eternity? Well, who talks to themselves like that? I recognize that I had a very short-sighted understanding of what success was when he said that. And my response was, what do you want, sir? And he said to me, I want you to go into full-time education. Because I'd been recruited to teach a textile class. That was all I was doing as a lark. And I, I, I capitulated because I knew obedience was important. But I was still a baby believer. And I had recently read like Psalm 2. So in my haughtiness, I thought I'll throw a caveat at him. Because uh, mm-hmm. my motivator was I wanted to travel. So I said, well, Lord, you said we could ask and you'd give us the nations for our inheritance. I want to travel and a teacher has no money. How am I going to do this? And I left it there, but one of the, cause I, and he didn't, he did. I think he chuckled, but what I did being a type A personality is I went and bought a globe and I started laying hands on the places that I heard from scripture or that I wanted to visit. And I started praying these students into my classroom wow. and What I saw that he did is he changed my heart from being a tourist to being a discipler of nations. And that's done through your prayer closet. That is one of the things that I learned in leadership, walking with him. Once he threw open the door, I mean, his favorite four letter word is free or paid because the last word's paid in full. I got to travel to all those countries on someone else's dime. And while I'm there, I'm a prayer intercessor. So I, this is cool. What, what you start to learn. And I I have a feeling this might be really, really relevant for you all in Great Britain. It is for us in the U S but much more for you all, because you have a much more widely global audience integration simply because of the background of Great Britain. And one, one of the things that I see, however, within the church is a Western worldview. And I'm sorry, Jesus is Middle Eastern. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And the Western church has adopted a Greek mindset of what's successful versus what is a biblical mindset of what's successful and that's impacted my leadership that's now morphed in to training leaders how to be really rocking intercessors (laughs) (laughs) 
And that's, that's important. That, that, I mean, you've you've unpacked a lot right there in the kind of a few minutes. And I feel like we could take the next set of questions in several different directions. But I'm going to try and stay on to the, yes. the kind of in the bio we've read about some of the different topics that you really grapple with and speak on and prayer insights for leaders in the marketplace i mean that's your testimony right that's your journey you're sharing it so just say this i suppose the question i've got around that is how can you because i love what you're saying but then you i know a lot of leaders that think that's a great idea kathleen i love this but i'm too busy but you know, I've got a vision to bring and I've got to go and make something happen. I'm in business and I've got to go and smash my KPIs and my targets. So tell us about your journey and, and what can you share for those that are looking to grow in this area? Well, I actually walk that out as an educator because when you're teaching fashion design or young designers and creatives, they, I always start, I started my classroom meeting them always with two questions. I would be real cute. I'd hold both hands up like this, like fisted. And I'd say, you can only pick the right hand or the left hand. One was fame, the other was money. And what I was doing is helping people reveal what their drivers are. Right. When you understand what your drivers are, then you know how to dialogue with the Lord. Because if you don't, you'll be the one driving to satisfy legitimate needs that he wants to answer legitimately. So in, in, in the terms of leaders, and, the, and I hear that as well as you do, I'm too busy. Then you're more important than Jesus. Jesus got up every day and went to the father and said, what are you doing? I'm sorry, you're not more important than Jesus. And the vision, if it's from the Lord, it was my cute saying with my student. I had what I called Calusiisms. It was my way of sharing Bible truths, but couched in my language. I would say to them, your vision comes with provision. You have to um, allow that seed its time and your job Yep, is nurturing it, is it weeding it, it is allowing, you know, God into it. So for young people, I would say um, vision comes with provision. Your gifts make room for you. You don't have to make room for your gifts. Hmm. If they're not, if they're not being made room for, take it up with the Lord. I was amazed the, the dialogue I could have in a classroom setting was always couched. But when people came to me, obviously on a private basis, you know, the gloves are off <laughs> and I was able to say, you know, here's what I've learned in my walk. If you can use it, more power to you. And I, I, I think it's going to sound, I, I, I was thinking about this last night when I was talking to the Lord and I, I reflected back and, and he's so cute. He gave me three things all out of Luke. Luke three is the what he wants to do. Luke 4, 18 and 19 is how he wants to do it. And Luke 19 is our reward. Now let me unpack those for your leaders and for those that are seeking it. Luke three is the story of John the Baptist. He said, my job is to prepare a highway of holiness. Right. Well, in the marketplace, you are dealing with mountains 
of obstacles. You're dealing with valleys where you have needs that need to be met legitimately. You have things that are crooked that God wants to make straight. The beauty of John the Baptist is he was, and Jesus said, there's nobody better in the kingdom than John. John served an audience of one and God brought the audience to him. And so he gives us the what. Luke 4, 18 and 19 is when Jesus got up and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm anointed to do this, that, and the other, to preach the good news, to open the blind eyes. Well, guess what? We have that anointing. So as we unpack it with our walk with him, he shows it how to apply it specifically to situations. And then Luke 19 is the, what I call the home run. It's it really important. I think it's, let me check. It is uh, 1915. I'm one of those that know the passage, but not the address. Um, it's, the, it's the Lord saying, well done, servant. You've been faithful in a little things. He said, I will make you authority over 10 cities. People today don't see that in the reward in the marketplace. And I go, no, 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 no. Again, American colloquialism, this is your off-Broadway. This isn't it. This is your off-Broadway. We're going to be reigning in the millennial on how we behave now. And I have a caveat for anybody, for the fashion people, because I know it's big in, in Britain, but here's where I can show someone how to apply to their life where they feel like they're obscure or a little nobody. In the book of Acts, uh, it's 936. There's a story of Tabitha or Dorcas. And everybody knows it, but here's where it is leadership and it's the whole shebang. It said that she was filled with good works and cared for the widows and the poor. This is the gal that died. And I always love to share with my students, hey, they raised a designer from the dead. You want, you want to hear more? Uh, <laughs> And what's interesting is she was a nobody from Joppa. Her people around her sent for Peter. They heard he was in a nearby town. And when he showed up, the first thing they did is show him all of the beautiful garments she made. Mm -mm. Wow. So she had a spirit of excellence. What's the bottom line? All eternity will know who she is. We're talking about her now. God made sure she got in his book. Mm. And she has an eternal impact. So I say to people, you need to be content where God has you and with your sphere of influence, because the bottom line is he wants to conform you to the image of Christ. Right. He's using your marketplace ministry as the donkey he rides in on, period, <laughs> period. <laughs> I know I'm a pill. pill <laughs> no, this pill. is great. A this pill is great. Is good for you, but sometimes hard to swallow. The truth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I hope there's because no one, no one switching off right now. This is good stuff. <laughs> it is good stuff. You know why? Because things can be true and not the truth. Yeah. And a lot of people in leadership want to know all these secrets in leadership. Well, Psalm twenty five fourteen said, the secrets of God are with those that love him. If you're too busy to pray and be intimate with him, why should he trust you with secrets? You're becoming a son of Greece, which means you're using wisdom and knowledge that's earthly, period. And when I hear God say you're either a son of 
God or a son of Greece. I almost hear it like he's being cute and swearing you son of Greece, you know, like <laughs> behave, do it my way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's my, my, well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no cutting through that. Is there? I love that. And just, just as a kind of, um, uh, by the way, when you're sharing through Luke, I'm sharing that next week with a bunch of leaders on the exact same topic. Yeah. Yeah. That, so. But you just, you just prove something. If God is speaking to someone because we have to learn the love language he has for us, yeah, that's what right. he just did is he used a second confirmation. And for young leaders, it is not a lack of faith to ask for multiple confirmations. He said out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, it usually should include a skip a scripture. But here's the thing that you also just brought up for leaders. You need to know your love language and history of how God talks to you. And you have to be open to allow him to, ex to expand that dialogue. Because if you're a leader, which is something I had a conversation with last week with a young leader that just got put in charge of a major ballet company doing costume. I right. said, if you don't know how to hear from God, you're not going to be a very good leader because he's putting you in a position because he says he pours out his spirit on all flesh. We're supposed to be translators. That's what Daniel was. That's what sure. Joseph was. And for what it's worth, that was Mordecai to Esther. You know, she, she just thought she's the pretty face. And he was like, <laughs> and his comment was, is if you don't do it God's way, he's going to raise somebody else up. So there's an admonition to people. That's, that's the, that's the way to do it. Great stuff. And I love that. I love that. Now I'm just going to shift the conversation on a little sure. bit, just around, I mean, around similar, similar sort of framework that we're discussing. One of your kind of topics and, you know, one of your, the, the things that you bring, which I absolutely love, I love this statement is, impact and a shift in culture within your spheres of influence now again it's a big question i'm asking here but you've had a whole journey between fashion to education to it's how, how have you journeyed that statement how have you journeyed that phrase what does that kind of look like for you oh wow that is big really question. important it is a big question but i can answer it fairly easily with just a few examples i think it again comes back to what is the light that's at your feet that God's given you? And to shift culture is the mindset of one, God's worldview. He so loved the world. We're called to disciple nations. Well, that includes even the imagination <laughs> for what it's worth. It is uh, with the people that God has put in your path to lead, mentor, or steward. Um, as you understand how God's been speaking to them and they haven't recognized it yet. You begin to translate in your conversations differently. For example, uh, one of the things that I did as a professor is I would make the assumption that my people would be leaders. And when I would take them say on to India on a fashion study tour, one of the things that I made them do is we would go and sit on the floor with the people say that are doing the beating in the il couture or the high-end version of fashion. And they would be sitting next to the laborers because when you look at the global salaries, you know, 45 cents an hour, 18 cents an hour, I think it's really important for people to have experienced 
the people that will be serving them. And then they make different leadership decisions. Right. So it's creating for your leaders, um, if you're in leadership, within context of how, is to understand the impact of their decisions so they can take ownership for it. But most people learn it through experience more than through, you know, speaking. Yeah. So that's how you impact culture is you live it, you share it, you impart it, whether you're buying... We impart more than it's taught. That's right. If if you're not it, you can't export it. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and, that's true. You teach so, what you know, but you impart who you are, right? Exactly. So what I would just say, to, again, all I keep doing in all my conversations when I share my story, I keep pointing back and go, your responsibility is your relationship with the Lord. You can't be a leader if he's not leading you and if you're not if you're not following his pattern he knew when to get away he knew when to say no he knew when no one would touch him because remember they would say he walks through the crowd where he throw him over a hill he just walks through the crowd um one little last caveat to flesh it out as a how-to nehemiah is the leadership handbook eat and own nehemiah it is the Enemies, a battle plan. Yeah. It shows you how Nehemiah responded. Nehemiah was lavish generosity, servant, knew when to speak, knew what to do. Um, he knew that it was uh, not until several chapters later that the people that are so-called believers would actually be able to hear because their lives were so messed up. We're not called to be builders of industry. We're called to be rebuilders of lives. That's right. Then the industry takes care of itself. Quit looking at youth. You're the donkey that he wants to ride in on. And Nehemiah's best prayer for leaders is, Lord, remember me for good. Hmm. He, he, he knew who was taking note of what he was doing. That's right. Goes back to the audience of one you mentioned earlier with John. That's, you know, that's it. You know, there's it's, a real thread, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's it. I love that. And I mean, you know, you're sharing some of you know the 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 insights and the thread. I can I can hear the thread that God's given you and what your life means and and the voice that comes from it and the song that you're singing from it. But is this ministry around the intercession and the prayer? Is that something you ever thought you'd get into as a young lady in fashion? <laughs> Uh, you know, and and looking at yourself a few years on, you know, how's that been for you? When I bought the globe to pray in students, I recognized that God was going to answer my prayer. I knew that as a baby believer, I didn't know how. So in my neophyte way, I wanted to help out. So I knew what I wanted. So I thought, well, I'll bring them in because when you understand the cultures, God brings his salvation to hearts and minds it he isn't a cultural appropriator <laughs> he's a, a cultural celebrator right and that put me on the journey with intercession because when you start dealing with the different cultures you have a voice now for them for example if you're talking to someone in the middle east what happened 1400 years ago was yesterday 
they have a much more generational worldview. That's right. And it's being able to, as an intercessor, you learn to speak the love language of others so that God can hear them. I, 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 what, what was weird is when I was ready to retire, um, it was very providential. I loved what I did. Never would have thought I would like the teaching <laughs> like I did. I loved it. But I heard him say very clearly, you're, you're, it's a season. It is not an identity. It is not a calling. It was an assignment in a season. Right. 35 years. That's a long season. Uh, yeah. So I said, but I heard him say to me, you've got to let it go. Walk away because I can't fill hands that are full. Oh, you know, relearning that one. So I said, right. okay. And what I started seeing is I'm still doing global travels for anybody that's interested. They're, they're cherry picked by me who gets to come with me. And I take primarily women. And we go all over the world because it's important to put people out of their comfort zone. That's where they get to learn their relationship with God. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Plus you get to see his worldview by interacting with the people. Um, and so for me, it's been a natural progression. And now he's been opening doors for me to teach leaders how to pray um, back to the global thing just to, I, I feel like I'm supposed to share this one bit. I don't know who it's for, but I'll share it. Um, if someone were to even look at my website, um, because I have a fine, I have a fine arts degree, a master's in fine arts. One of the things that's been my hobby is I, I'm not, I'm not too shabby as an artist <laughs> and, but I've used it in as a therapeutic tool to decompress when you come back from travel or when you're in stressful times. But what it has been is my active intercession. My prayers are my visual intercession. If there's a portrait painted, it was someone that there was a life-changing encounter with. I made handmade books where I, as a research junkie, researched what I need to know about the, the country, its cultural identity, and its heritage, because the big thing about even when people are transplants like they are in, in UK or in US, when we talk to them about their country in a conversation or when we visit it, you know, physically, we are a guest in someone else's home. We must demonstrate a culture of honor. That's right. Yeah, true. Oh, huge. Yeah. And so when I would visit a place like one of the places I've been to oh, about 17 times, by the way, <laughs> I love Egypt. I'm going back in March, God willing, or as they say, inshallah, in God willing. <laughs> um, I always say, Lord, what is your secret for that country? And every time I've gone, he's given me a secret. Well, say, for example, in the case of Egypt, he's given me Isaiah 19. And what the good news that I bring when I visit with people there, and they're willing to hear it, is Isaiah 19 is the restoration of Hagar's descendants to wow. their half brothers. <laughs> we know what that means. <laughs> and when you think about it, each of the good books has a different version of who she is. But here's what I get to bring. 
in my good book, she wasn't treated very nicely. She was taken and given. That's human trafficking. She was told to sleep with an old dude and she was probably a young girl. And aside from being, ooh, it might've been culturally right. It was morally wrong. It was. Right. The other thing we forget is God appeared to Hagar and spoke to her before he talked to Sarai. Yeah, and how did, he, how did he show up to her? I'm the God who sees and knows what happened to you. I bring that. I carry, I carry that ministry of reconciliation. That's what we do. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> message. I love that. You're getting excited now, I can tell. You're getting deeper now. That's, I love that. But I think that's, that's so powerful, just when I mean, you're just giving so many great, uh, how, how does the word actually impact culture through us and in us? And you just give it such a great testimony of that. Now, I want to I move on because I want to dig a little bit. No, no, I don't dig a little bit. I don't dig. I'm not here to dig. I want to ask you. It's okay. <laughs> I just want to ask you, should I say. I'm full disclosure. <laughs> no, I know, I know. But it's, um, you know, you've shared so much. You, you learn wisdom often through the hard times as well as the good times, right? It's the, it's the valleys rather than the mountaintops that shape our intimacy, our dependency, our humility, our obedience, all of those things, often, not always, but often. And, you know, I love hearing the journey you've been on, but what have been some of those hurdles that, that, you've, that you've kind of, that I'm not asking for personal yeah, stuff, yeah, but yeah, some yeah, of those yeah. leadership hurdles where you think, you know what, God, I need you at this stage more well, than ever. I'm going to peek because I actually... Uh, that one was a uh, toughie for me because again, as you can tell, being a full disclosure person, I'm very different when I minister to groups privately versus right. a platform such as this. Not that I'm ashamed of my testimony, but if you don't have a grid for me, a soundbite could be taken out of context right. as true, but not truth. Um, I think I'm going to just peek because I that one I, I've been praying to him about because I listened <laughs> to your other podcast and you'd always ask that question. Um, I'm trying to couch it because I'm I'm such a straight shooter. OK. OK, here's the things that I learned in my journey. You must be a cultural translator. Um, drop the Christianese. <laughs> there, the line between secular and sacred is man-made. Ignore it. Yeah. But with wisdom. Oh, most, ad, most adjectives or nouns are really pronouns. Wisdom is a pronoun, proper eight. Beauty is not a noun. It's Jesus. He's a pronoun. <laughs> We're going to behold his beauty, right? Um, it is um, not falling into the traps of people pleasing because when you're in your job it isn't that you're trying to please your boss it is the stupid artificial deadlines that they love to give you and when you're a type a personally you're going to meet the deadline anyway but there's this part of you all you know do this and again it's stopping and saying lord what are you doing and let my yes be yes and my no be no and give me the wisdom to know the difference. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I love that. That's, there's like a little mini book or a mini series coming out of that, of those answers. No, I like that. <laughs> it's leadership 
one-on-one that I've done. Yeah, no, I get it. I get I it. Had I had 16,000 people come through my life and I prayed for every one of them in my classroom. You bet I learned these things. Wow. I went in every day an hour early and prayed over those desks for them to hear what I'm imparting and that's, who Jesus was. That's lovely and challenging at the same time to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. Now, I want to move on again because we've still got some more stuff to to, to crack on with. Now, I mentioned in the bio that you've got a new book coming out soon with a great title. Now, tell all. Okay. Um, I always had stuff in me and I've been writing. I mean, I wrote several college textbooks, so that's my thing. I obviously need an editor. I'm the type that can get it out and somebody else has to tidy the mess up, but I have the stuff. I've got the goods. And with the lockdown, my traveling stopped. So I said, Lord, I'm going to write what you've taught me about fashion in the Bible. Even if it's for no one else, it can be the legacy for my grandkids. I'm not doing it for anybody other than recording these stories, which dovetails to anyone in any industry. If you haven't found your industry in scripture, something's wrong. It's in there. You're not digging enough. You're not talking to the Lord enough. An easy one is a proverb a day keeps the devil at bay. It's about business and all that good stuff. But I ate the book on fashion and beauty. And I probably own more of that teaching than anybody I've ever encountered. And it's put me before top leaders that I've shared with it. He, he sovereignly put me in front of people to, to, to let them see how much he loves fashion. My book's called Fashion Undressed, Jesus Wore a Designer Robe. <laughs> I'm not being sacrilegious. I'm not being flippant. When David penned the psalm, and he was prophesying into the future. They've pierced my hands and feet, you know, while dogs are gambling for my garment. He was seeing the beauty of God prophetically in the future and speaking it in his lyrical way, his songs. Jesus, when he was on the cross, as recorded in Matthew and other places, looked down at the Roman soldiers gambling. So here's what I learned. What's at stake is beauty. They were gambling for the temporal. And by the way, being cute, what Roman is going to gamble for anything from a schlock shop? It had to be a value. (laughs) (laughs) But it's pointing to choose beauty, the noun, beauty, the proper noun. And he looked into the future, us, and left that little show and tell for my fashion people. That How cool is really that? Cool. I think anyone here that's <laughs> vaguely interested or got experience in fashion is literally waiting for that book to come out. That is brilliant. I love that. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, so it's almost, it's, it's a culmination of your learnings and your experience and everything the Lord's taught you in that. In that. Yeah. I I, I, I saw that you had asked other people about mentors and successful people. And again, if I use my industry, 
they really fell very short because their their area of expertise was in the excellence uh, and the expertise of the workmanship and the of the right. creation. Um, in all of my tenure, and I met designers that most people's names would, the, if I dropped them, their jaws would drop. I only had one gentleman that I met. Um, he was married, had kids, a rarity in the fashion industry. And I asked him a similar question. And he said, at the end of the day, I love my wife and my kids. And this puts food on the table. I get to do what I love. And I thought that was really cool. But I said early, and that was probably was in the nineties when I spoke with him. I, I have to say my role models, and there's dozens of them in scripture. Lydia was a seller of purple. When you look at the value of that particular dye stuff, what garments were made from, she was clearly an haute couture designer when you understand the value of it. And God had to trick Paul into meeting a fashion designer. He gave him a vision of a man in Macedonia that he met Lydia, who was outside the temple with her fashion friends, wanting to know more about God. Our job is to talk to those people. That's the translation. They're out there looking, but they don't know either what they're looking for or the God that they met in a religious environment. Right. Wasn't somebody they thought understood them. That's great. No, I'll tell you what, don't give away all the secrets of the book. This is great. No, there's much more. <laughs> no, I love that's that. only the hook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the cliffhanger. You know, you have to buy the book to read more. No, I think that's absolutely brilliant. I'd love to see how the journey you've been on, you're now being able to translate that for the next generation. As you said, for your great, if it's just for your grandchildren, it's just for your grandchildren, but I know it will bless many more than that. Now, I want to just kind of ask a sort of a parallel question along that. We've spoken a lot about leadership and your experience and you've, and you've referenced, you know, several women in the Bible around the area of leadership. What are some of the, the challenges and I suppose the opportunities that you see for women in leadership as we you know in 2021 as we're looking forward we're coming through this this you know COVID-19 period when it we've been in this global disruption what what, what do you see what, what do you see the challenges and opportunities for, for, for ladies in leadership oh it's that's a piece of cake answer that is Proverbs 31 she had multiple jobs she had a husband who sat at the gates whose heart safely trusted her. She right. had children, whether they were physical children or could be employees, they're almost like your children that rose up and blessed her. But here's the thing that she did. She spied a field and purchased it. If you're a, a woman leader in industry, have you spied out your field in the Bible and purchased it? Because if you haven't, you're going to be trying to spin way too many plates. And the secret is, if God's placed you where you're at, even if it's not where you want to be, then you're like Joseph. He's working on your character qualities so that he can trust you with more temporal leadership. It, it, the woman, it said she got up early 
that's what Jesus did. Got up. I mean, women do it anyway, but figure out the meals later, get up and spend time with the Lord. Right. That's what you have to own. And, and that's where the opportunities are. He will make room for your gifts. That's the opportunities. It isn't a glass ceiling. It isn't. Jesus was the biggest woman liberator of them all. They were the ones that, you know, were the first ones to go, he's alive. That's right. Maybe people need, women need to sit and say, what is the thing that they're seeing that he's not either doing it fast enough or doing it the way they want? Because if that's the case, that's the issue God's dealing with is their heart. And they're actually, you know, trying to make him either a genie or a nanny. A genie is do what I want. And a nanny is clean up my messes. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I like that. That's a great soundbite right there. <laughs> now, I've got two more questions for you, Kathleen. And you've already answered this one. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you again. And ask okay, distill it. For two keys, two keys. Okay. So you, you've been, there's been a, an amazing thread coming through this episode, but give me just two keys, leadership keys that God's given you in your personal life. If what, when you look at your toolkit and you say, this is, this is how I, this is how I work. This is how I journey. What are the first two keys in that toolkit? You're Nehemiah. You're doing two types of building. You're rebuilding your industry, or in his case, it was the wall in Jerusalem, but he was also building people. And when you look at his leadership style, he put people in charge of rebuilding in front of their own home. In other words, he found their area of passion and interest. He put people where it's a fit for them so that they want to thrive because they're doing and using their gifting. They're not seeking your approval. They're being able to feel the satisfaction in their job because they're doing what they're good at. And then he gave them the equipment they needed to do it. He gave them a sword. Hey, you got to know the word of God. He gave them tools. Here's what you need to build, whether it's training or whatever. And then he gave them a horn. Well, that's full access to be able to have someone in the chain of command that they can safely speak with if they're in trouble and, and saying it's okay to be in trouble. Let's work this out together. And I think I've taught that. I've modeled that. And then once all the breaches are so to speak removed, then people are, they feel because you've proved it. I mean, they were building that wall for years and it wasn't working. He did it in 52 days, but it took 12 years to clean the mess up. Afterwards, he was in the people building business. And as a leader, it's taking the word of God. I wish people can see this, which is a sword. You're then taking it on your own heart. Where is God talking to me? Then you can take it into the heavenlies against the enemy. You don't always have to tell the people what you're doing. Nehemiah, remember me for good, God. People didn't even know what he was up to. Mm. Um, and it's using that word that way. Otherwise, sometimes you don't get to deliver it because it's not necessary. And if you don't do it the other way, you're going to leave people bloodied and it's going to be a hot mess. And trust me, I've been that route and went, duh. Um, so, but that's, it, it keeps going back to intimacy with God. As things are shaking, everybody's like, oh, it's going to get better and better. 
yes and no. Um, what? We have to not. We have to have it clear our relationship between him and them, because most of our business life is just an assignment. It isn't an identity. Right. And I think for a lot of people, it's really not a calling. Sorry. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, and, and there's the whole podcast episode there in itself. But um, there's one for another day. No, I love that, Kathy. And I, and I kind of thought you were going to land back on the intimacy with God. I thought we were going to come back there as, as the place to land, which, which is great. It's, that's, that's, that's the thread that's been through this, which has been so special. Now, kind of coming into land, as we say, looking back at your life and leadership journey, what's that one piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Huh. I, 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 you might not expect my answer. Right. Most people might use the phrase if they were talking secular, they'd say, what would be your woulda, your coulda, and your shoulda? Right. Yeah. That's an area of unforgiveness where you haven't forgiven yourself. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Good point. So if I didn't handle something right, I might have to forgive myself and I have to go back to God and say, um, uh, I handled this wrong. Did I apologize because I don't think you acted or did I do something inappropriate and correctly? And how could I have done it? I, 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 this is what I would, I know that's probably not necessarily what people want to hear, but I think what it could have should is are being trapped in the past and God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I would just say, you know, God, that part of me that I still go, Oh, I should have done it this way. Help me to forgive myself. It's an area of forgiveness. Good. Well, at least we know you're not hard on yourself and you can forgive yourself, which is a, which is a big thing in, in life and leadership. I love it's a that. choice. It's not a feeling. It's true. It's true. Uh, absolutely true. Kathleen, it has been an absolute pleasure to spend this short amount of time with you. Thank you so much for your insight, your heart, your wisdom, and just, yeah, taking us on a little bit of a journey of your life. Thank you. I, I hope the book and or my website or anybody that's interested, I hope, I hope I can be a blessing for you in your journey with the Lord. Thank you. Thank you for making room for my gifts. <laughs> no problem. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wonderful Leaders podcast. To be part of the community, join our close Facebook group and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Simply look us up at Wonderful Leaders and we'll see you there.